Here we are again. We're back. Yeah. Modern Dadhood, the podcast. It's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. You're right. You're correct. My name's Adam Flaherty. I am a father of two daughters, six years old and three years old. And I'm Mark Checkett, and I am a dad of twin boy toddlers. The phrase works. Twin boy toddlers. I'm TBT. Stick, I'm sticking to it. That's it. I like it. There's nothing weird about it. It works. Nothing. I feel like uh, at this point we're um, a dozen episodes or so in. We really should do some shout outs. We should say hello to a few people who have been really supportive along the way. Great idea. Got any good ones? Um, I've got one. A gentleman by the name of Keith Bellinger. I think it's Belanger. Damn it. A gentleman by the name of Keith Belanger. I want to give one out, a shout out to Rick Gothier, who I've known for many years. He's got a brand new baby and is an awesome dad. I can already tell you. What about Justin Bartram? Justin, thanks so much for reaching out and expressing your support. We're so psyched for you to become a dad and to to join this adventure. Yeah. Let us know um, how many times we accidentally led you astray. Gave you the wrong <laughs> exactly, idea. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What everything is like. I'd like to give a quick crypt, cryptic shout out. Do it. To Tia. Tia. You've been very supportive. We miss you a lot in our house. That's all I'm going to say. One other shout out that I want to make is to a project that my brother-in-law Chad is part of. It's called the I'll Tell You What podcast. You can find it anywhere that you find Modern Dadhood. I'll Tell You What is they cover a huge variety of topics, but it really is about like the dynamic between the the three people, uh, Caitlin, Chad and Elliot. And they're uh, it's it's really entertaining. So check out the I'll Tell You What podcast. I'm a big fan. We got something cool coming up. What is it? We do. We do. Modern Dadhood is going to be um, at a 30th anniversary showing of the film Teenage mm-hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a pizza party. Clearly, there's going to be a pizza Obvi. party. One of the most exciting parts of this event is that Steve Levine, one of the original artists, is going to be there. And he's going to do like a little drawing workshop. He's going to do like a drawing workshop. He's going to teach everybody how to draw the turtles, Adam. The second best part, Adam, is that you and I are going to be there. Um, we're going to be kind of hosting the event a little bit and running the Q&A and uh, doing a little bit of a modern dadhood thing. That's right. So dads out there, if you live in the Northeast, you can buy tickets for this event at 3sarts.org. And if you don't live in the Northeast, um, I think we still need to make sure that this is okay to do, but we're planning to bring bring a camera and film this thing and make the Q&A portion of it available to you all through our website, we're social gonna, media, so forth. We're going to turn the camera on and start pointing it at stuff until someone tells us to stop. Until the police show up. Yeah. Pizza police. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you a story from when I was a kid, when I was a little kid? I would love that. So I, I grew up in a pretty small town in Pennsylvania. Did you say Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Oh. Pennsylvania. The state. The state. Okay. I thought you were talking about the element of Pennsylvania. The state of Pennsylvania founded by William Penn. So we grew up in Transylvania, <laughs> which explains me. the fangs. That's, Yeah. Yeah, that explains my propensity for having a bowl of warm blood just around at all times. I was going to ask about it, and then 
I didn't want you to turn on me. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. You're always, it's a, you're always this close to being turned on. <laughs> um, so I think about a lot about where I grew up and it's not too dissimilar from where I am now and where my kids are going to grow up, but the world is completely different. The world is just so vastly different from when you and I were kids. Yeah. It certainly feels a lot more chaotic now. Yeah. There's it, things move so fast, I think is, is, is a, a one way that I, I sort of say it. Everything just goes so damn fast. I sound like I'm a hundred years old all of a sudden, but I'm not, not yet. So I think a lot about the things I did and the ways that I kept myself busy. And, you know, there's the simple stuff like summer mornings would get up, go to my friend's house and I'd be outside all day. Right. Yeah, me too. Just get on the, on the BMX, on the Huffy, the mongoose. <laughs> did you have a mongoose? I didn't. Oh, I had a mongoose. It was like a hand-me-down mongoose, but it was badass. That's like a, it's a coveted thing. You know, you see <laughs> a friend has a, the mongoose. Yeah. And you're like, I need that. That's the cool kid. Yeah. That kid probably just launches off of ramps, you know, with that thing. Totally. Um, so I had, I had a little, little shitty mongoose with like the mag wheels and like the pegs, but I only had one peg. Was it, it was the mongoose where the, the <sighs> O was actually the, a zero cause it was a knockoff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, how come my logo looks different than your logo? It doesn't. It's the, exactly the same. Definitely the same. So we'd, we'd get up. And we'd be gone the whole day. And eventually somewhere around dinner time, you'd hear your name getting yelled by your mom across the neighborhood. It would just float by in the wind, you know, and you'd be like, oh, crap, guys, I got to go before I get in trouble. I, I have a, the same, the same experience with my mother. Although your name is one syllable. Mm. Well, but my mom always resorted to Mark Andrew. So my middle name is there Andrew. And that was, and even though it happened every single damn day, I was still terrified Every time I heard it, I was like, oh, she knows that I was up to no good and I'm going to get in huge trouble. And I run home as fast as I could. And it was just like, sit down for dinner. And I'm like, ah, dodge another bullet. (laughs) I heard that middle name and I was so scared. Was it Mark Andrew? Was it two tones? Like the the, the Andrew was the same as the first note? Mark and Ann were the same note. So it's almost like you had a Andrew. Yeah, you almost had a a hyphenated name. I was just Adam. We would spend all day, I mean, all summer, outside, make, just making things up. Just we had our spots and we'd say, okay, meet you at the falls. There was a little spillway. Just plug the coordinates into your Google maps. It'll get, it'll get you there instantly. Yeah, exactly. Just dial it up on your PC. You know, we'd find a hill next to the river and we would, we would say, here's the game. We're going to huck rocks to the top of the hill and we're going to see which path the rocks fall naturally back down the hill. And then we're going to spend the next six hours trying to recreate that exact path. And somehow it becomes a game and somehow we build rules around it. And somehow we, we figure out who's an umpire, you know, and, and who, what positions there are. And that, and then, and then the rules become really serious. And then we have deep arguments and discussions about whether or not you're following the rules. And, and, and then, and then we, we hear our names float by on the wind, <laughs> Mark Andrew. <laughs> and then it's all over. And then I'm like, I got to bow out guys. Almost like it was just all a dream. Yeah. And I guess what I'm saying is it kind of astounds me that, that we could do that, that we could focus on that, that we could have this ability to spend all this time on these silly things. And that it would hold, hold such importance it had to you. such too. meaning to it. You know, these things are really important, you know, but it just, I can't help but wonder, you know, these, these days now, obviously I'm an adult. Well, I mean, 
I try to be an adult. In some ways. I'm old now. Some might even argue it. My wife would argue it, for sure. And let's be honest, she'd win the argument. (laughs) Now I look at that whole idea, that whole thing, that whole existence from a new perspective. And I, I really want something like that for my kids. I live in a neighborhood that I'm so in love with. It's a wonderful neighborhood. There are kids everywhere. There's small kids everywhere. It's going to be like in a couple of years. And this is what I hope, you know, in a couple of years, it's going to be, I hope it's just going to be a bunch of kids on BMXs and Huffies and Mongooses rolling by and, and, and makeshift flag football games in that person's yard. And we're going to throw a rock up on this hill over in that person's <laughs> yard. And, you know, I can see that it, the potential for it because it's, it's there in front of me, but I get, I start to ask myself the question, I guess, is that what kids do these days? Because I feel like we're so distracted as like a species. Is that crazy to say? Like maybe in this country, I should say, you know, and I don't, I don't want that for my kids. Is that going to be a thing? Is that going to be possible? Is that going to be something that kids are going to want to do? Well, I think that, yes, I think it is. I think it is possible despite the vastly different world that we live in now than the one that you and I grew up in, you know, 30, 35 years ago. Back in the 1860s. And I think it is possible because you and I attribute value to those experiences Mm. and Really, we're we're the ones that are most directly teaching and influencing our kids, right? So your boys are going to be influenced by the type of play that you do with them as they grow, and yeah. that, and that type of imagination, and and that will be inspired by your experience as a kid. So even though they live in a world where there's things are feel a lot faster paced, and there's a lot more distractions, and there's just sort of it feels like sensory overload, they are going to be kind of living vicariously in a way through your, through your past. Yeah. Is the consciousness of this, you know, and the awareness of this in in my mind, is that going to be enough to help me to lead by example, you know? And I guess that's what it is, right? You, you, you lead by example when you're a parent, whether you like it or not. Right. Right. That's, that's a thing. You know, you could, you, you, we've all been in that situation where you stub your toe and you yell out shit and you, you, didn't for a second realize that your kid was in the room and all of a sudden they're like, shit, I can say it too. And, you know, I mean, they're there they're watching and they're, they're picking up on, on cues and they're, they're looking to you for that. So yeah, maybe just being conscious. And I think that's the best thing that we can do is just to be aware of all of the, you know, things that we might consider to be negative, to have a negative influence on them and try to instill the things that are important to us and make them interested in the things that we are interested in. You know, I just, I love that idea of creating a game and and I had the same experience growing up. You know, I went to Brenda's daycare and an in-home daycare that was a family friend and it was a small group of kids, but we would do the same thing. We would create these games, you know, and it's not just like working together to solve a problem. It's we're creating the problem and then exactly. And I think if we were all walking around with iPads and iPhones and, you know, we would never reach that level of imagination to even think of playing a game together. You know, I see the value. I see the value in those things, but I, I think my relationship with these things is so different because I spent a long time without these things. And I built up that mechanism where that spark 
takes shape in my mind. And then I have the ability to go and pursue it with my whole being, you know, and not just like, I'm going to Google it while I'm sitting on the couch. So perhaps it's a coincidence, but I'm going to say probably not. Our (laughs) guest (laughs) has a lot of connections to what we're talking about. Uh, His name's Tyler Ramsey and dads, you might know him from his time with band of horses. Uh, He wrote, recorded and toured with the Band of Horses for about 10 years. And honestly, some of my very favorite Band of Horses songs are Tyler's songs. Uh, He's also released several solo albums. Most recent one is called For the Morning, and it's an absolute masterpiece. He's been touring that album. Um, He's been playing some really great intimate venues, including the Word Barn in Exeter, New Hampshire, where I just saw him a handful of months back and got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes. And man, he's the real deal. Tyler is a dad of a five and a half year old girl, which was cool because my daughter is about the same age. We have a lot of stuff in common. And uh, and when he's not touring the world, um, he loves to be a dad and be at home with his family. You'll hear from our conversation that he and his wife have chosen this sort of disconnected lifestyle to an extent, and that lifestyle really promotes that kind of imagination and creativity that you were just sharing about. Hey, Tyler, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. How are you, Adam? Good, good. I got to say right out of the gate, I've loved all your work with Band of Horses, uh, your solo records. You know, I've seen you with the band and on your own, and it's a great honor to, to chat with you. Oh man, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, thanks for thinking of me for the podcast. Our listeners will know you from the music, but I've always admired that you seem to have this pretty cool story outside of the public eye. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your life in North Carolina. Let's see. I've been in Western North Carolina for about thirty years now. I I love this part of the country. My family's all kind of in the area too, so that's part of the reason why I'm and have stuck around for as long as I have. But uh, outside of Asheville is where we live now. And, and we're not too far outside, but we're far enough out that it's kind of is a kind of a different way of life in a way. You know, we, we had a place that was kind of right next to downtown. You know, we were in West, West Asheville. And after our daughter was born, we sold that place and moved out to the country and bought a little bit of land. And How old is your daughter? She's five and a half. So was it the idea of having a child that made it appealing to sort of separate from the city a little bit and find that space of your own? Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of it. I, I've i always enjoyed kind of being out a little ways. So that's something that I've enjoyed. And, I, I you know, when, when she was born, I just thought, man, it would be really it'd just be nice to kind of like spend some time out in the country with her and like let her have a childhood that. I don't know, that involves like running through a field and, you know, splashing around in a river. And um, it just provides a little bit more, just a little more elbow room and space and a little more freedom and existence out there just kind of has a different slant to it, you know. How do you hope that this lifestyle that you and your wife have created will shape your daughter's character as she grows up? You know, I... I'm seeing some of the things that I hoped I would see in her, just like just seeing her running around in a field or like there's like a stream down there that we live on and she, you know, just like splashing around in the summertime in the, in the stream and just feeling really comfortable in nature is part of what I had hoped for. Like 
digging around in a mud puddle and not being afraid of bugs. And, and she has that, you know, she has that sense of adventure that I, that I hope to this place would provide. Part of the, the goal of being out there for me was to, to teach her about the, the things that we can do for ourselves as people, you know, like since we've moved out here, I've, you know, built a chicken coop and, you know, I, I have a truck that I work on and, uh, built a studio from the ground up, which is something I'd never done in the past. I'd done a little bit of construction work, but like I wanted her to see that that's something that you can do. And so those, those are things that I hoped would get across to her and that she would carry with her throughout her life. It's amazing. And I'm totally, uh, I totally agree with you that there's value in the idea of your kid seeing that you don't know everything that you're still learning and you can get excited about new things, you know, and whether it's something that you are learning together or whether it's just her seeing you watch YouTube videos about how to, you know, create an isolation booth in your studio and then actually sourcing the materials and building it like that is going to impact her and is she's going to carry that through her life. Yeah. You've mentioned all the opportunities that she has to just be in nature and explore and play. And, you know, it, it seems like that is a very obvious theme that runs through, you know, all of your music as well. You can feel the, the influence of um, nature and, you know, solitude in your albums, but you can ex- especially feel that in the new record for the morning. And it just sort of has this like energy or like vibration that ties the whole thing together. I love to listen to that album on vinyl. It feels like uh, it's sort of the way that it's meant to be heard. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I'm excited that it's the first album I've ever done that uh, was released on vinyl. So, <laughs> but yeah, I agree that there's a lot. There's a heavy connection to the natural environment uh, in in this music and the newer music that I that I wrote and, and the new record. Um, I spend a lot of time on tour and a lot of time around people and in cities. And, uh, and this is the way that I feel like, uh, most grounded and in this kind of environment. So that definitely spills over into my music. And, you know, the first few years of her life, I was still touring in Dana horses and we toured like a lot, you know, we were, we were doing, uh, we were gone a lot of the time. So I really did miss out on things. And I, you know, I look back now and I, a lot of my memories are, of her as, as a small child are based on videos and things that I had sent to me when I was like on tour somewhere, you know, I, you know, I'll go back and look at like old videos of her and just be like, man, I watched that probably a hundred times when I was like laying, you know, in a bus traveling to some new city to play another show. And it was a time that I, that I wish I could have been around more. When you were touring constantly like that, and she was very young, you know, infant, you know, the first year of life, some of the other guys in the band were were in the same boat, right? Ben Creighton, some of the other guys have have young kids. Is it something that you were talking about a lot, you know, as a way to kind of cope with the difficulty of being away from them? Or is it the case that constantly moving from city to city and and being on stage and off stage was a, a distraction that was welcomed so that you weren't focusing on feelings of guilt, for example. I'm trying to think like I think I think now the band that I have now, two of my bandmates have kids. And it seems like we do more talking about about our children and how we miss them than 
than we did back then. You definitely sense when somebody's missing their family when you're on the road, especially, you know, when you're gone for like three weeks or something or a month. And it's tough and it does make it easier when you know that, yeah, the guy next to you on stage is also missing his family a lot. But it's good to, you know, misery loves company. And that's, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to have someone that relates to what you're going through. It's got to be hard. You know, I think about my job and I have to travel a few times a year for a few days at a time. You know, it's nothing. But even then, when I'm away, I'm feeling bad about it. I miss my kids. I want to be home. So I would imagine that when it's weeks at a time and you're relying on FaceTime, like you said, that it's it's got to take a toll on you. So when you are home and you're not touring, you're still a professional musician who is, you know, responsible to some degree for writing and recording new material. How do you find that you stay disciplined to do that when you are home and you have the ability to be with your wife and daughter all the time? That's something that I'm still working on. I'm trying to work on how to schedule creativity, which I think is uh, something that maybe a lot of just kind of free form creative people aren't necessarily that great at. That's something that I think I have to really do at this point because I, it is really just tempting to be like, hey, I've been gone. You know, I, I was gone a lot this year, this past year. And it's really like when I'm home, it's difficult to pull myself away from from that, uh, especially when it's for a kind of a loosely formatted, like creative process. You know, it's like it, it, so that's it's getting more and more important for me to be like, all right, I have to go down there. I've, I've got work to do, you know. So, yeah, lately I've been doing more like scheduling times where I go down uh, to the studio. I built a studio down down the hill from my house. It's interesting, the idea of, you know, being a, a creative person, but giving yourself the, the, this like these limitations, the, sort of boxing in these like office hours to impose discipline on yourself. Like you said, when you are on the road for, for weeks at a time. And I do, I'll, I'll go ahead and say one more thing about that is that I, I do feel like there's a cool balance as a musician, uh, that I think nine to five job dads or moms don't necessarily get is that, you know, if you're, if you're gone nine to five, you, you get to see your children like what, for like an hour before they go to bed and see them in the morning and then you're gone all day. And I, you know, if I get home from a tour and I'm home for two weeks i'm home for two weeks straight and we can really like reconnect and have some have some fun together so i feel i do feel lucky about that i think that part of it is a it's kind of an advantage in a way to to the life that i that i'm living right now it's sort of like the the idea of like you have to you have to choose your priorities i guess you know and if your priority is to have a career in music that you can be fully dedicated to all the time, then that's what you prioritize. And if you want to have a family and be a father, you find a way to, to balance it. And it sounds like you're making it work to, to have that balance. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if anyone that takes, you know, parenthood uh, seriously or feels it's a, a big responsibility is going to find a way to balance career and, and, and home life and make sure that, you know, make sure that both are getting the attention that they need. I think I tend to like err on the side of giving less attention to, to the creative side of me and more attention to being a dad at this point. And my wife, her mom is also on a creative path as well. She has this business 
where she makes these beautiful handmade dolls. But she's spending her time being a creative person. And uh, one of my goals is to teach my daughter that a creative path is a fulfilling path in life. And it's also something that can carry you through and can be a, can be a career. You know, it's a it's not an easy path to take, but it's an option. And I want her to see the joy that being a musician and being a creative person brings me. And uh, so that's why I, I, I want it. You know, I want to pay attention to both as I, I want her to know that that I'm doing what I love and I'm something that I've worked really hard to do, uh, you know, since I was a kid and, and I'm making it work. And it might mean that we're apart sometimes, but it, it also means that when I'm home, I'm, a, I, I'm just a more content person. And that, that makes me probably a, hopefully a better dad. And when my daughter was born to me, it was, it was the most important thing that's ever happened. And, uh, and my role as a dad, for her is kind of like the most important role I've ever had to fill in life. So it's, you know, I, I definitely enjoy what I do as a musician and, and a performer. And I like, I like playing to people. It's, but that uh, there's just this total part of me that wishes I could just stay home and be dad all the time. So let's back up a little bit. I, I would love to hear about the moment that you learned you were going to be a dad. Do you remember what that was like? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we, we had talked about it and we were wanting to do that. We were wanting to, um, to have a child at the point, you know, at that point when we found out, yeah, it was, man, it was just, uh, I think more about like the actual reality of her being born uh, more than I do about just, you know, finding out about Mm. we're going to have a, you know, a child. It was more like, I, I can remember it so well being in a hospital and, seeing her and holding her for the first time. And I was just like laughing. I just couldn't believe it. You know, it's, I think it like, uh, it just hit me in this way that it was just such a mind blowing moment to, to be holding your, your child for the first time. That was really cool. Yeah. Isn't that a crazy feeling? We talk about how it's like the emotions are even now, you know, my daughter's the same age as yours and the emotions are still like right there just Just, under the surface now. And it doesn't take a whole lot to make me emotional about something. Does she make you cry? Oh, totally. Totally. And that's, uh, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, like it can be the simplest thing, like reading just some children's book that really isn't that uh, emotional or something, but like something will get me and I'll, I'll, I don't know. There's there. Yeah. There's definitely something that's like way more connected to that emotional part of me, uh, just being around her and seeing her grow up. And I'm all, I've always been pretty emotional and pretty connected, but, uh, it's, it's gotten more that way. It's, uh, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta choke back tears, uh, quite a bit. It makes you really connect a lot more. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, in the last couple of years, it just seems like my perspective on all of life has changed. I'm thinking a lot more about the time that we have and, and how to make it as meaningful and as memorable as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, she just, my daughter has this boundless energy and it, and I'm like, I just try really hard to be present and to, to embrace all the time that we're having together and, and uh, just appreciate it to the fullest and try and I just try and keep up with her, you know, and her energy and, have as much fun as we can. We try and imagine what she's going to remember from this time, you know, out in the country and like 
you know, we were talking about like, oh, we dance around in the house a lot and sing songs all the time. And we like go on hikes together. And my daughter goes out and like takes care of the chickens by herself. And I think this is a really solid kind of down to earth start for her. And I hope that that's something that she carries into her adulthood, you know. Tyler, it's fun to think that even though you and I live extremely different lifestyles, that that we have so many things in common, you know, having daughters the same age. So it's been a total pleasure talking to you and hearing about your family. And uh, thanks for your candidness and and willing to share. Oh, man, thank you so much for for having me. And uh, good luck with the podcast. I think it's I think it's a great idea. And I, I you know, I think it's great to have perspective and, and listen to the way people are doing it. And uh, so thanks for doing this and thanks for having me be a part of it. Show me what's wrong. Dads, if you're enjoying modern dadhood, please do us a favor and tell your friends about it. That's uh, the best way that we can grow this thing. Also, if you are listening to us on, say, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, please take 10 seconds or even seven seconds to leave us a rating, a very short review. It's a very small thing, but it makes a big difference to to Mark and myself. Huge, huge difference. No, you're not a huge guy. Huge. No. Huge. Feel free to reach out to us at hey, H-E-Y, as in hello or howdy at moderndadhood.com let us know what you're liking what you're disliking if you got a good topic idea let's do the thanks who would you like to thank i have to thank my mom you know my mom heard some swears in one of the earlier episodes and she i think she wrote us off i don't think she's listening anymore she heard some swears thank you to casper baby pants and spencer albi for their contribution to our amazing music it's in this podcast big shout out and thank you to nick rose who is our intern. He's not a dad himself. Intern fact. We wouldn't be this many episodes in if it weren't for you, the listener. Stick with us for more fun.